Welcome to Day 2 Cloud, and we're going to start today's episode with a loaded question. What if you could have a multi-cloud network that was all cloud native, but you didn't have to know the nitty-gritty details for each of the clouds? That is, you work with a cloud and network interface, and that platform handles the networking in, in a cloud native way for you. What would you think of that, Ned? Well, I think you wouldn't need to know the nuances of AWS, Azure, and GCP networking, you probably wouldn't have to fret about getting policy consistently correct across each platform or of managing a bunch of, I don't know, Terraform state files, perhaps, or about keeping your own code up to date. The platform would be the one place you'd have to go to manage your entire multi-cloud network. The one thing you'd have to learn and maintain. You'd be uh, freed up to focus on network architecture, efficiency, and security policy. Major projects like improving the velocity of application teams to roll out new services or integrating the network of the business your company just acquired should get easier. Yes, it should. It should. Our Day 2 Cloud sponsor today is Prosimo. Now, Prosimo's appeared on Day 2 Cloud before. We did a live podcast with them that we published in early 2023. And in today's episode, we're going to poke around under the Prosimo hood more deeply. What's Prosimo's approach to multi-cloud networking? What can you build based on that approach? Our guests today are Nathan Pierce, Director of Product Marketing, and Manny Gannison, VP of Product. And these two gentlemen understand multi-cloud networking with Prosimo deeply and we're going to see just how much information we can get out of them so please enjoy this episode with Prosimo's Nathan and Manny okay Nathan welcome to day two cloud and man uh, okay so Prosimo you guys have been on the packet pushers podcast network before you've done some day two cloud work with us so people maybe have heard of you but in this show we want to start at the beginning here since we're going to dive deep and get into the engineering guts of what you guys are doing so would you explain to our engineering audience what Prosimo is and what it does we get that foundation Absolutely. There's two different lenses I look at this. The first one is that networking in the cloud is very different. It's agile. It has that abstraction that people love about it. I mean, I remember right at the beginning of cloud, it was advertised as a cost-saving exercise, but it was so easy to deploy. That messaging changed like overnight. It was like, oh, I'm definitely not going to save you money. You're going to spend more money, but you're going to do it quick. And you're going to respond to customers faster. You're going to get revenue generating or productivity improving apps and services to their intended audience far quicker and experiment and A-B test and all of those magical things. And so that's one side is just keeping up with agility. So, you know, networking industry has been very focused around automation and, and, and fixing that problem of how fast can I get things done? How much can I get people out of the way while still having a great network? And then the second part of this to me is the surface area of cloud is a vastly different network than what we're used to, where it was an IP stack bound to an operating system that could be a router's operating system or a server, a virtual machine. And... With cloud, though, that surface area has changed. There are resources you created that come back with an ARN, for example, and we're going to work out that you know, that might have a dynamic FQDN with a changing kind of destination that I've got to be tolerant of and work with. And so it's about those two things, really, just bringing a, a, a new level of agility where the, the people who are going to cloud can really realize that 
extreme agility that it could give them without the network being in the way. And then also just being very aware of this new surface area that we have to network. We can't just stay down at the stack where we've been able to work for such a long time. So Prosma's entire kind of core in its design is to solve both of those things. Okay, so you said agility. We said uh, we said multi-cloud networking. Um, you said multi-cloud is different. Or cloud networking broadly is is different than what we're used to. The primitives we're used to working with as network engineers. So if I'm trying to state in a nutshell what Prosimo does, you're a multi-cloud networking solution that makes cloud networking easy to consume, helps me keep up with the you seeing agility. I assume that means I can instantiate and and delete networks, if you will, very quickly, programmatically. Prosimo is helping me with all of that. Absolutely. So time to respond um, dynamically, automatically, and just rationalize all of that interconnectivity that I have in my environment. So um, for example, if, if let's say you've got two different departments that are developing services and now I need um, to consume another department services, how can I quickly integrate those things? How can I make them interact? Maybe they both started with the same CIDR. I think everybody does that in VPCs <laughs> on cloud. How am I going to get that to work? Like there's all these problems and complexities and providing an abstraction over those cloud native resources to support interconnectivity, whatever those incompatibilities, I mean, that's achievable with a cloud native solution. I think you brought a very interesting point there. And that's like every wizard has you using 10 slash 16. And, you know, if, if three different departments all adopted AWS at the same time, but now you need to interconnect to those three different departments, you might be in for a world of hurt and and even worse if they adopted three different clouds but i know we've had multi-networking cloud products in the past so what makes prosimo different than the other products that we've looked at before the first thing when i talk to customers about multi-cloud networking the first thought that comes to them is hey, is it another virtual router um are you just asking me to deploy a bunch of these virtual machines on top of what I got going and do I have to manage all of that? We tell them absolutely no. This is a cloud native model. In fact, we leverage all of the native services that cloud providers gave you already. Um, example, AWS Transit Gateway, Azure VVAN Hub, um, Google Cloud Router, or if you're going one layer up, uh, private link endpoints or Google Private Service Connect, we leverage all of that to build that foundational substrate. And then we make it enterprise class on top. We internally refer to it as embrace and extend. Let's embrace what the cloud providers have given already and then extend them to kind of meet the enterprise class use cases. That's the first thing. There is no virtual machine that you need to go deploy in every single VPC that you got going, right? We are talking to enterprises, the large ones that mentioned about 6,000 VPCs in AWS, 4,000 units in Azure. Like, how do you even deploy all these virtual machines, right? So we tell them, absolutely, you don't need that. The second thing they ask us is, oh, is it another black box middle mile where I have to plug in my VPC? I don't know what this middle mile cloud does. You know, is it secure? Who's going to manage that? Can you see my traffic? We tell them, no, absolutely, that's not the case either. It is delivered as a service, but this entire networking stack that we bring runs in your own enterprise subscription and leverages all of those cloud native good things that we talked about. So it's not a middleware cloud. Um, the last thing that I want to call out here as a differentiator is this is not just IP networking. Of course, IP networking is foundational, right? Uh, we have uh, solutions for that as well. If you want to interconnect 
PPCs, VNets, I want a firewall insertion. I want to make sure that the network is segmented into uh, production, staging, uh, testing, et cetera. That's a foundational layer three connectivity for us. More importantly, where we differentiate is what we call as the service connectivity or service networking layer. It's enterprises, the reality here is it's going to be kind of mix of workloads, right? They still are lifting and shifting, which means there's going to be those IP-based workloads. And at the same time, they're modernizing their applications, which means they have uh, some of these FQDN-based services, which could be running on Kubernetes clusters. They may have service meshes within uh, a single region, and they have to interconnect across regions as well. And lastly, but very important here is the past services. Or I may be using a managed SQL database from Azure. I may be using a BigQuery from GCP. I'm using this RDS database from Amazon. That's what makes Cloud Agile, and we want customers to kind of adopt all these past services. Now, when I have all these mix of heterogeneous workloads and they all have to be interconnected, I simply cannot think of, oh, here is a virtual router, here is an IPsec tunnel, here is a BGP. I really have to get much deeper into the application stack to understand. And um, our service networking stack, you can attach all of these simply as FQDNs and we integrate with all these past services. We have integration with this different uh, versions of service meshes and Kubernetes, uh, even serverless for that matter. Of course, you can bring all of your VPCs and subnets for layer three connectivity. You have this single control plane and you can actually say uh, to your developers, doesn't matter what type of application you're uh, developing, here is a workflow for you whenever your service is ready on board this and we'll be able to interconnect that with any cloud, any region with the right set of policy guardrails and all happens within, within a few minutes. So that's exactly what the difference here, Ned, to your question. Okay, okay, so there was something something important there that started bringing this together for me. So it's not it's not that the VPN tunnels and the BGP and the 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 transit gateways and whatever go away necessarily. It's that Prosimo is the layer on top that's helping me manage all of that stuff. Absolutely, that that layer that you just talked about is a foundational layer. But tell them, hey, let's lay the foundation first. Think of building a house, a building. Once we have this foundation laid out. Then you got to think in terms of who can talk to who. Are those the right services? Are they connecting at the right layer? Um, is it connecting at uh, a TCP layer because it's using a random TCP port, it's a SQL database or SAP HANA cluster? Oh, by the way, this is a web application that speaks gRPC. So what we are saying is that additional layer, the value-added layer that comes on top is where you really want to provide your policy control. You want to integrate with your CACD pipeline or if you're more of moving towards the GitOps model and you want um, the networking to go at the same pace, this service layer is what differentiates us. And nothing, that doesn't mean that the foundational layer three connectivity just goes away, right? That becomes the core of everything that we build. Okay, we're gonna talk about, about more about that service layer uh, as we go on here. But but first, there's another kind of baseline question I wanna ask, which is, who's buying Prosimo? Who's the typical Prosimo customer and what are, what are the big use cases that they're buying it for? So two core audience, when we walk into an enterprise, it's typically the networking team that we used to work with all along. They used to manage the data center, the van. Now they are in charge of managing the entire cloud network infrastructure. That's our core audience. The new set of audience that's that kind of, I would say, uh, coming up lately more and more is the cloud platform engineering teams. Uh, enterprises call sometimes as uh, cloud center of excellence, the CCOE teams. Think of this as a specialized team. All they do is just cloud and they have experts from security, experts from networking, experts from storage, experts from databases. And their job is to create the right blueprint. And they kind of go on 
I want to have this unified operating model across any cloud. And I want to make sure um, the developers are able to self-onboard their services. And uh, how long does it take to onboard a service and make it online? So those are their goals. So we kind of work with them and say that for that networking layer, because it's going to be the heterogeneous model that we just talked about, and here is a solution. This will help to create blueprint. Doesn't matter what other clouds uh, you adopt tomorrow because of MA or other business reasons. This blueprint that you create is going to hold true forever. Um, it doesn't matter which cloud it is. Or even the core networking team um, that want to go fast with the cloud, and we work with them as well. So these are the two core audiences, uh, uh, Ethan. And Nathan, if you want to jump into the use cases, please. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me add a, a couple examples, just some some customers we've worked with and, and how we help those out to, uh, to to highlight some color on that. So um, this onboarding that Manny just mentioned there, I mean, th- this is what got me really excited about coming to <laughs> Proslomo. Actually, I've spent, I, I know it says marketing, I've spent 25 years in engineering and architect roles before I, before I made this change. And most of the last 12 years was just trying to automate network infrastructure, which was mostly lift and shift. I think that's how everyone got to cloud because you can't just redesign and re-architect everything um, at the same time as moving it all. Like I, it made sense that people did this. But the issue now is that multiple departments went in and started building new cloud native kind of applications. They designed them on there and then they needed to interconnect them. And how do we start joining all these environments together? And th- this capability of discovering brownfield environments and visualizing and rationalizing all of the existing interconnectivity. I think that's the best example of what we mean about being truly cloud native, because how can I do that if I have to bring in like V routers and, and edge networks on an overlay? I can't, I can't immediately see and rationalize everything that was already there. So that discovery, the fact that we can do that in minutes, it's click import and you're learning and discovering all of the routing and subnets and interconnectivity that exists in that. And and we had a great, um, a great very recent uh, customer that was, uh, their, their strategy was M&A acquisition. I mentioned a little bit at the start, alluded to that. So they have to be able to, uh, when setting up the deal, work out exactly what's ahead of them that's going to slow down return on investment. I mean, this is critical to their business. If they're doing multiple acquisitions a year, they can't have a two, three year run rate of how can I get around all of the addressing problems and you know our overlapping IP thing we discussed earlier. Like, How can I make sense of all of that and get that done and out the way and be looking at the next acquisition? Um, and so for them, the, there's twofold uh, uh, value here. There's the discovery part, the cloud diligence kind of part that they do. Like, what am I looking at here? What is the chaos that's coming? Now, we can obviously with this very fast onboarding in minutes highlight, this is how everything's stitched together here. And then post deal, that ROI, how quickly can I interconnect things? Again, we can get around all of these problems that have plagued traditional networking kind of uh, tooling because we're able to handle these overlapping address spaces and interconnectivity. And you don't even have to... um, integrate entire networks and expose routes and rationalize all of that on day one, we're even able to just expose a resource to another environment. So you can get that critical endpoint I need, maybe that GraphQL API that I just need to integrate from the new acquisition today. We can do that integration at just that level. And that comes from that cloud fluency we have um, of knowing how the resources work instead of having to try work out, how do I integrate two vastly different networks that do not want to talk today to get my money back on this deal? 
But you, you mentioned something there, which was about, um, I can tell you what that company that I'm acquiring, I can tell you what their network is like. So you're telling me Prosimo can do some kind of discovery on someone else's network and, and let me know what their layout is? Yes. And, and to clarify, we're not talking about some kind of still secret infiltration into someone else's network here. They would obviously deploy our solution and it would visualize and rationalize all of that interconnectivity and where things are. So there is there is that discovery side, like we're already adding value before you've even made a change to that network. We can just see. And because we're multi-cloud, and I, I want to clarify by multi-cloud, we don't just mean we're available in multiple marketplaces. When I say multi-cloud, I mean transcend clouds, make them look like a fabric we're stitching together across them and have a common unique interface for management, even though the underlying CSP resources are different. So we can make it operate in one way. You don't have your team stretched thin across three different cloud providers kind of interfaces and, and resources, because obviously then you're a third less effective because you're task switching between how do they do it on that cloud again compared to this cloud? I mean, and I know how painful that is. Um, so being a multi-cloud across these environments and that visualization and rationalization, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal for um, just seeing what's going on, not having to, I mean, I love Terraform. I don't want to do that discovery through state files, <laughs> like especially on a multi-cloud basis. Who's going to have a single state file across, you know, distributed apps in three different like regions and countries? I mean, you just don't do it that way. I mean, Ned might. I don't know. You really like Terraform, Ned. <laughs> I've got this magic scripting that I do. It involves some incantations and I merge all the state files together. No, no, that's I, I hear what you're saying in any large scale environment. You're going to have dozens, if not hundreds of state files that you would try to be integrating, assuming that they're managing their entire networking real estate with Terraform, which is a big assumption. Um, the other thing I want to point out is you've said the word cloud native a bunch of times here, and that is one of those overloaded terms that gets used by everyone. But let's put some some walls around that. Like, What do you mean when you say cloud native in the context of Prosimo? So I've covered a bit of the cloud fluency kind of side, alluded to that, hinted to that. Maybe actually, Manny, do you want to take this one, go a bit deeper on that? Yeah, yeah. So the three aspects there, when we really use the term cloud native, of course, this term is very generic. It could mean different things for different audience. The way we use it is for three reasons. One is the networking solution that we're bringing to the enterprise. This actually leverages all of the native elements of cloud providers. This is not a rip and replay strategy where you walk in and say, oh, you might be using Transit Gateway. There might be 1,000 VPCs attached to it today, or you have to replace it um, if you have to use our solution. Now, our goal is now to kind of reinvent the wheel for what the CSPs have already solved. So we leverage all of the native elements. I mean, Transit Gateway is just an example. It could be a cloud van, virtual van from Azure, or uh, all the DNS services they've got going, um, private link service endpoints, all of them we leverage and we extend them, like I said earlier. The second part is the data plane that we drop in is, cannot be a virtual machine again. That becomes a management nightmare, all of these operational uh, nightmare of how do I kind of upgrade them? How do I ensure that it's all uh, the stateful traffic is going through uh, the right VM at the right time? All those nonsense have to go away. So our data plane is cloud native. It is actually built on the individual CSP Kubernetes. If it's a gateway that you're deploying in, AWS US West, which means it, it actually spins up its own VPC, brings up EKS, which is its elastic Kubernetes service. And then all of this element, whether it's for um, the routing service, whether it's for the authentication authorization, policy management, 
all these are different microservices. They all auto scale up and down depending on the traffic. So let's say it's the busiest time for the enterprise. It's pumping 40, 50 gigs of traffic. That Kubernetes cluster for that busiest region can scale up automatically. And then let's say Friday afternoon, not much traffic is going on. You don't have to get involved. It automatically scales down. That's another reason why we say this is not your legacy router. This is a modern data plane um, that does that. And lastly, it should be able to interconnect the cloud-native applications. Here, when we say cloud-native networking, the other angle here is when customers build cloud-native apps, whether it's microservices running on Kubernetes or they're using Lambda functions like uh, you know serverless or other PaaS applications, can I interconnect those cloud-native applications across regions, across clouds? Absolutely. A virtual router cannot do that. Um, here is a stack that you can natively attach any of those uh, simple FQDNs. So for these three reasons, native elements of cloud provider, the data plane should be auto-scalable. It should be cloud-native by itself. Lastly, you have to um, interconnect all those cloud-native applications. For these three reasons, Ned, uh, we refer to this term as a multi-cloud native uh, networking stack. Yeah, for me, for me, the big test there is um, that Brownfield discovery example. If you're not natively talking to and rationalizing the state and route tables and everything that's going on in interconnectivity, you can't do that. Like it's a very difficult job to onboard existing configurations and departments. If you are truly cloud native, then that should be trivial. I should be able to see, oh, this is how everything's running. And now I can actually start managing uh, that environment. That should not be a heavy lift to kind of bring that on. Whereas if you're bringing in a solution that is not cloud native, then there's obviously going to be quite a lot of architecting that's going to be needed and some operational pain um, to get these environments, the cloud's native networking and this overlay networking to get the two of those to have uh, at least a semi-symbiotic relationship in some way um, that's going to take some effort. Okay, so the thing I really like that you said, the term you used earlier, Nathan, was cloud fluency. You speak the cloud APIs of the various providers in a fluent way. So you're not just dropping an existing solution that you have, like you alluded to, like dropping a VM that's functioning as a network virtualized appliance into every VPC or maybe like a hub VPC or something and routing all the traffic through that using your existing code that probably goes back 20 some odd years. You're talking natively and fluently to these APIs. I see, I see you shaking your head, Ethan, because you're like, yes, I know exactly who, what you're talking about. Uh, so in, in that regard, I really like that. I want to I want to dig a little bit more into that data plane that you mentioned, because it sounds like the management plane, that's that's is that hosted by Prosimo or is that something that the customer hosts? And then what what components or how does the data plane sit in this cloud native world and, and function with traffic going through it? It is, it is a SaaS solution, meaning the management plane, customers don't have to kind of install servers and manage them. It comes with this full SLA, fine lines of SLA, and it is a, a fully orchestrated solution. So the management layer is SaaS, but then the data plane itself I used the term cloud native a few times already. That sits in customers' own cloud. Let's say, let's take a simple example. Now, I run in two clouds as an enterprise. I have three regions in AWS, and then let's say in Europe, I use two regions of Azure. Now, I want to interconnect all these VPCs and VNets, starting as a foundational layer three connectivity problem. The data plane element that we drop in, it's kind of one per region. It runs at its own VPC, and you can actually seamlessly start to migrate. You may have 100 VPCs in AWS US West currently interconnected to Transit Gateway. It goes back to Ethan's earlier point on the discovery that we run. The moment 
you create an account at Prosimo and then plug in your IAM credentials or service principles. We go discover all these, give you a nice map of hey, here are your five regions. Here is all the resources you got running. Here is all they're all connected. Just for that discovery alone, we have a lot of customers saying that hey, this itself is super valuable for me. I've never gotten this level of visibility on how they're all interconnected today because a developer might be spinning up new VPCs. And tomorrow, if you look at them, they're already spun down. I want a real-time view of what's running in my cloud network. How are they all connected? Starting from that point on, you can go and say that hey, these three VPCs, I want some advanced function from Prosimo. I want a, a segmentation here. I want to attach, make sure that those VPCs can go talk to a BigQuery in GCP, or I want to make sure that there is service layer principle for authentication, authorization for some business reasons or compliance reasons. In that case, you can simply drop this. It's all orchestrated again. Go to control plane and say that I want a Prosimo. We call them Prosimo Edge. I want this to be spun up um, in AWS US West. I want that to be spun up in Azure US East. And within a few minutes time, those gateways are automatically spun up. It runs on EKS or AKS if it's in Azure. They're all automatically meshed with each other. Then you can attach those exact VPCs that, that you want to be routed through Prosimo. And uh, we automatically discover and attach to a transit gateway in AWS and discover the virtual van hub in Azure. If it's a Google Cloud Router or NCC, we do that as well. And once you take a call on what VPCs and VNets to be connected, that's a simple policy you write and say that, oh, these are the three VPCs that need to go talk to Azure. Here is a condition I, they, I I want them to meet. Only then they're allowed to talk. Or only if they come from PCI zone, I want them to go talk. All those are typical enterprise use cases. It's extremely hard to solve with just the native functions. I mean, as much as we love the native functions, enterprises are coming to us to solve those advanced use cases, right? Um, both the connectivity layer, the scale, and the visibility and the policy. Uh, for those reasons, they can simply migrate they take, take a set of VPCs, migrate first, figure out everything is working, take the next set and go migrate. That becomes an ease of migration as well. Hopefully that answered the question now, Ned. I got a follow-up though. You guys have criticized or contrasted your solution with the virtual router solution. I just drop a virtual router in and spin it up and I force all my traffic through it and it, it kind of works like it did on premises. And, and so it, it kind of feels the same, but I have to force my traffic through it. A lot of firewall solutions are that way as well. You're saying you're not that, but it feels kind of the same. Yeah, it's auto scaling and I can spin it up a Kubernetes. I still got to pump a bunch of traffic through a Prosimo, um it feels like a virtual router, but you're saying it isn't exactly that. So help me understand the difference between when does traffic go through the cloud native bit versus when do I need to send it through a Prosimo gateway? A oh, great question, uh, Ethan. So think of this case, right? Uh, take a single region use case first. And I have all these VPCs interconnected and they're all happily talking to each other. In an alternate world, where the vRouter world, what you have to do here is, if you want any type of multi-cloud networking solution, you got to drop those a pair of VM, not a single VM, pair of VMs for HA in all of those 100 VPCs, and they form a hub and spoke topology. You have a hub VPC, so that's the only way to talk. In our case, we're saying that hey, that's already solved by Transit Gateway. Why go force the traffic to come to Prosimo, right? So we don't touch that part. That's where the, the brownfield integration comes in. But the moment you want to kind of carve a piece of that out and saying that, hey, if I really want a traffic to go talk to a cloud native service in another region or another cloud, or I want this advanced segmentation policy, is there a way I can still do this without replacing my transit gateway? Can somebody still add this single route in transit gateway and kind of peel the traffic off 
with this Prosimo VPC where the, the cloud native data plane element is sitting, that's where the difference comes in. So you know, you're not touching all the hundreds of VPCs and dropping a pair of VMs everywhere. In fact, you never touch the uh, those workload VPCs at all. In fact, those developers, they have their own constraints. You don't want to go ask them to install a pair of VMs. You don't touch that. And you don't touch the existing hub, which is the transit gateway. And only those traffic that needs this advanced visibility or security or control, you bring the traffic and that too in a very seamless fashion to this um, cloud native data plane element. And that's how uh, it works actually. That's the difference between all the other MCN solutions. Back in the day, we would have done something like this with policy-based routing, where I'd have traffic going through some central point. In this case, it would be like a VPC. And I would say with the, my policy-based routing of my Cisco box, I need this traffic to peel off to this firewall for these particular services. I need this traffic to go through this router because reasons, yeah, and so on. And it feels like that. It, in a sense, it's that model. Prosimo is going to insert a route for me so that for certain kinds of traffic that need to be observed in a particular way, I have a certain security policy uh, assigned to it. I'm going to route that through the Prosimo gateway and the rest of it, if it can move from cloud to cloud and do whatever it needs to do via cloud native networking constructs, that's fine. Leave it alone. I don't need to peel that traffic off and send it to the Prosimo gateway. Is that, am I getting it? Yep. Spot on, Ethan. Yeah. That, that helps in migration too. If one is they really want to don't touch that at all. They're all working. And uh, is there a way just that targeted traffic to come to Prosimo? That's exactly what you mentioned. It's kind of policy-based uh, insertion model. The second model is even for migration today in other solutions, um, it's very disruptive. You got to first touch this uh, production transit gateway, which is routing traffic for hundreds of VPCs. We really want to rip and replace that or simply create a model where even if I want to route all the traffic to Prosimo, because of I, I want that advanced visibility for all of my traffic, I want security control for all my traffic, you could do this in a completely seamless way. Just, just insert the policy one by one or set by set, and only uh, those traffic would come to Prosimo. Another piece of this then would be if I want to interconnect something in my multi-cloud and it could be satisfied with just cloud native, a VPN tunnel between the two environments, you as Prosima would build that for me and, you know, give me some, you know, I can, I can see what it is. I can visualize it. And even though the traffic doesn't need to go through Prosima. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we call as the, the cloud native orchestration layer, meaning it's not, traffic is always plumbed through Prosimo. Rather, we go and orchestrate some of these things like, oh, I can add another route table inside Transit Gateway. I can build this tunnel between a Transit Gateway and another hub. Those kind of things, or I can insert this route. Uh, all those things we could orchestrate all the way from a VPC, a subnet into a Transit Gateway or a VBAN hub and all those things uh, we could orchestrate from the single control plane. That's what we mean by uh, a lingua franca for all the clouds. You don't need to be an expert in each of the cloud. Uh, even if you don't want to route traffic through Prosimo. And circling back to that cloud agility promise we were talking about at the start, we're not forcing a network pattern that dictates your consumption of cloud. That's what we get from that cloud fluency and the ability to talk to the cloud native resources. You can have a pattern that you're using. We're going to work with that pattern, but we're also going to bring some sanity to it so that you're not, again, managing thousands of state files or templating languages to try and achieve the same thing, which is just going to be an operational inhibitor. That's that long tail of operational pain that comes after those many folks who lifted and shifted. And now they're just like, how do I manage this when I'm A-B testing across two regions and all this interconnectivity? And I don't want to just expose subnets. I want segmentation so that I can be secure, so that I can inhibit lateral movement and all these things. How am I going to do that when sprawl happens, when there's thousands of VPCs, even just hundreds of VPCs? So, um, yeah, I think that's a great example of that. 
Is long tail of operational pain a fancy way to say technical debt, Nathan? I love that. It, it, it is. And, and it's, I, I should get it on a t-shirt. I, I, it's, it's, it's not a favorite term of mine because it just brings back PTSD from a decade of trying to automate like, like devices with a V prefixed on them that just were not designed to do those things. Like I, I have a lot of, yeah, a lot of anxiety of that era. I'm, I'm just envisioning a cat with a very long tail trying to navigate a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> That's what you got going on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I really like this idea. You you've got this one model where it's all about connectivity and just orchestrating that connectivity and because you can speak all these different clouds, you can create that connectivity for me without having to go through your data plane if I don't need to. But if I do need to, now you can add some additional layers on top. You can give me some additional functionality. So, can you talk a little more about what additional functionality I get? by sending things to the data plane and how do I determine which traffic to send to that data plane? Great question, uh, Ned. So the kind of, we call them, hey, you could just choose the native services if you just want foundational connectivity. Uh, but, but here are like the top four reasons why you would want to route traffic through the Prosimo um, data plane, right? The first thing is about all of the security controls. For example, in this fabric that, that we built, the, the mesh network, the cloud native mesh in the middle, it is built with zero trust principles, right? Okay, not just at layer three. Even for layer three, we have things like you could segment them out. Um, essentially, the, the equivalent of what we had at VRFs and in the, the traditional world, if you want to put them into namespaces that way you have a tightly controlled layer three fabrics, you could do all of that. But more importantly, at the service layer, if you want to identify the resources, and then if you want to say, hey, unless I specify with the policy, this web app can go talk to this database. Um, or if I want to do some just-in-time uh, just authentication authorization, we integrate with the, the IAMs of different clouds, we integrate with all the identity providers, and uh, you want to ensure that it has to be zero trust by default. That's the number one reason. I mean, in traditional, of course, Transit Gateway and the VWAN and whatnot, you could do layer three route controls, but you really cannot get this zero trust service layer policies um, unless you go add four other proxies and API gateways and so on. In our networking stack, that all comes by default. The second reason is, is all about the operational simplicity. Going back to the, the long tail of operational pain, how do we eliminate that pain? So that's a number uh, two reason why customers come to us and say that, hey, I've tried operating just with the native tools, right? I can take the, the flow logs from VPCs and then I could you know, write my own custom logic to figure out hey, what's going on here. But if I get to take it, I really want to figure out is it a network layer problem or is it an application layer problem? If it is network, whose network it is, right? Because it's I have my own van coming in. I have this direct connect circuit going through Equinix. And I'm also using Amazon Backbone to interconnect two regions. There are multiple segments of the network. How do I quickly find out uh, what the problem is? Or if it is application layer, where exactly? Is it the authentication part? Or is it like a particular URL is responding slow? How do I get to all of that? In Prosimos, because we are not just a router, we are also kind of the layer seven service proxy. We are able to figure out where exactly the problem is. And we kind of use, I mean, we don't use the term ML. We have, we have seen the last 30 minutes or so, we didn't use that. But in fact, the technology-wise, we leverage a lot of those things, right? We use uh, both supervised and unsupervised learning to figure out, hey, if we have tons of these service layer logs coming in, how do I figure out what the user experience is right now compared to the baseline? Or if it is risky behavior, suddenly there is a ton of this exfiltration-like exfiltration behavior going on, 
um how who, how do i kind of alert the user only for the right reasons right all this type of things um becomes possible for the day to ops team that's another reason why they would come in lastly the agility part right i don't want to go put a team that is uh, uh, kind of full of experts of just aws and then um i had they have to understand the scale the constraints oh they support 100 routes of bgp inbound but 50 routes of bgp outbound by the way if i go to the other cloud they don't even support hub and spoke routing topology which means i have to redesign everything from scratch how do i get away from that and go to this common lingua franca and then just use that even if you're using terraform you would rather speak one language instead of three different languages or four different languages with terraform so that just uh, provides that simplicity as well so these are i would say top three or four reasons net why as much as we help you kind of build that foundational connectivity model with cloud native why enterprises um, um, you know route through prosimo fabric one thing i want to come back to it was in your first reason which is the network zero trust principles and the fact that you're integrating with sort of the identity solution that exists on each cloud does that then mean that the machine generated identity for each service let's say or each virtual machine or whatever it is you can inspect that information and then make a policy determination based on that identity absolutely and and then when we oh. use the term service zero trust or service networking this exactly what you can't just get with bgp internals and so on of course mm. that's there's a plumbing but you need that the moment you get past that phase how do i identify this is exactly the application or the database that i'm talking to right and then these are ephemeral ips uh, kubernetes cluster you know uh, may come up and go down anytime but the, the service identity remains the same this is my production database that is a managed sql it has its own machine generated identity and as a networking stack in the middle if i'm routing traffic i really want to ensure that it is indeed that stack i'm routing to before i send that request response to that particular uh, endpoint i verify all of that only then it sends the traffic right that that's how uh, we approach this from day one net okay this the, the level of detail and the, the fact that you're layer 7 aware begs kind of another question here so now that we're starting to get the idea you're you're more than just layer 3 moving traffic around a multi cloud fabric and there's layer 7 and awareness of applications and so on do you get into things like sidecar proxies do you do you get that fancy where you can integrate in that world or Yep, 100%. In fact, great question. That, that's a question we get from enterprises as well. If you really think of the two models that exist today, let's say on one side, you have the layer three networking all the way from the Cisco Juniper VMware, and then some of these um, newer startups that focus just on layer three networking. On the other far side, then you have all of these service mesh startups, right? Uh, it could be based on Istio, Envoy Proxy, and multiple different uh, CNI stack, right? That, that actually do a great job within what happens within a single Kubernetes cluster, within a single service mesh cluster. But what we are doing here is this big zone in the middle. If you think of this as a multi-cloud native mesh, and if we truly claim that you can interconnect all of these things, not just as layer three, but also at layer seven, which means we got to build integrations with those, right? If you go to our discovery page, you have this network discovery, which means we discover the VPCs and subnets and routes and so on. On the other side, we do service discovery. You could be using a HashiCorp console for a single mesh because that's what developers chose for a set of applications. On the other side, you may be using Istio uh, and you may be using some native CNI based proxy as well. It doesn't really matter. Or a team might ha might have chosen. I'm not touching all of that. I'm just going serverless route. It doesn't really matter. Um, we can interconnect all of them, so which means that service discovery page will go discover the FQDNs and services um, that might be using uh, again a different type of sidecar proxy model, different types of service mesh model, different types of CNI. It becomes a unified 
um, service mesh of sort. Think of this as like a service layer network in the middle, and that can speak layer three as well as layer seven, and you'll be able to make uh, an interconnection between, hey, this VM, all it does is just layer three, can go talk to the FQDN on the other side, which is part of an Istio-based service mesh. We just can't do that otherwise today unless you go build multiple layers of networking. With Prosimo, completely heterogeneous model, um, and one is ultra-modern, the other one is the lift and shift application you got going, you could interconnect them as well. That's where our integrations with all of these modern apps um, come, in, come in very handy, Ethan. So, okay, so you don't replace a sidecar proxy. You can discover it, you can integrate with it, you can control traffic going to and from it as that service layer in the middle is is what I'm hearing. But but again, not a replacement for the proxy, the sidecar proxy model. Part on, going back to it, we didn't want to, as a startup, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. Right. We're not here to go compete with this team. We're not here to go replace Envoy proxy. There are solutions out there that, really, really um, do a good job within what happens within a Kubernetes cluster, we go integrate with them. But our job is interconnecting all of them, securing all of them, providing the right level of observability for all of them. Going back to the zero trust concept here is to kind of close this. I could be moving traffic from one service mesh to something in a different cloud, different service mesh, Prosimo's in the middle, and I could have some zero trust based policy that could be enforced at that layer, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So all of these policies are kind of on par with any of the service meshes, whether it's traffic routing, kind of resource-based routing, resource-based authorization, authorization, authentication, because it's a full layer seven proxy in the middle, right? Uh, Prosimo stack. So you'll be able to enforce the same set of policies if you're migrating from service mesh A to B, or two different meshes are talking to each other. And even in the middle, they want to enforce these policies because they could do what happens within a cluster, but across cluster, if you want to kind of enforce that model as well, we could do that. Mm -hmm. And same thing goes for a traditional stack trying to talk to a service mesh stack, and uh, we could enforce the same set of policies in the middle. It gets really interesting when you're trying to do cross-cloud enforcement there to have Prosimo as the layer, because you end up with one enforcement point where you got to worry about writing policies and enforcing them there. Yes, right, inside of a, its own mesh, you still got to deal with the issues there, but as soon as you're trying to cross between, you can end up with zero trust policy uniformity using the Prosimo service layer. That's that's an interesting model, yeah. Absolutely. And on that service mesh uh, topic, so to prior to Prosimo, I spent the last three years solely focused on architecting uh, service mesh solutions. And the biggest sticking point in that entire market is the moment you step outside of Kubernetes. And mm. if you're lucky, and, and this is quite rare, that you only need to intercommunicate for services within that Kubernetes cluster, that single place, you might be fine. But the moment that needs to talk to anything, which is the reality for most, there's going to be some VM-based system that's been brought, that's got all the customer data in it, or there's going to be some SaaS platform. I mean, there are many, many apps that have no actual data on their own. They're just an aggregation of multiple SaaS or PaaS kind of platforms that are just consuming from APIs, rationalize them to create value. So now I have to think about that interconnectivity. Something needs to have that deep fluency of those mesh systems and be able to interconnect them because they might be spanning clouds, countries, regions, probably all of the three, in fact. Now, we, we're talking about these policies that are getting generated to help enforce communication and connectivity and security between different applications. And I'm thinking about how applications are typically typically deployed and managed ongoing. You have these small application development teams that have a build pipeline. 
is the expectation that they're going to integrate with the Prosimo solution to build these policies, or is it something they would work hand in hand with the network engineer? So how do you see the application teams integrating with Prosimo, I guess is my question. Yeah, the most common model, great question, uh, first of all, Nate. Uh, most common model here is the blueprint and the guardrail for policies are still set by the centralized team, whether it's a CCOE team, cloud platform engineering, or for the network layer, it's the, the network experts. They sh should be the one doing it. They are the ones mostly still doing it as well. At the same time, the developers absolutely want to get away from the model of, hey, I'm, I, my service is ready. I want to take it online. Do I want to open a ticket? Absolutely no. They want to get to a model where as long as I am following my guardrails and the blueprint, can I self-onboard this? I already have a CSCD pipeline. I, I'm using GitOps to ensure that as soon as my code is developed, tested, and it's ready to deploy, and why should I just go wait for the infrastructure to come up? This is where we have a layer. We call it, in fact, developers self-service onboarding portal. This is kind of built on top of our APIs, where you have this core networking interface that the network experts can go build all these policies on. And then there is a kind of lightweight interface, and they do not need to be kind of network experts as long as I can understand what layer should this be exposed? Is it kind of TCP layer? Is it a web layer? And what are the services it needs to go connect to? Or what is the port it's exposing? As long as I can know these basics, I can take the service online as a developer and integrate this with my TSCD pipeline or GitOps portal and so on. Man, okay. This, guys, we're running short on time. There is so much more that we can get into. We, we got a couple of quick ones for you, though, as we uh, bring this show to a close, start to wind it down. IPv6, this is becoming more and more of a real thing. Like it really is. We've been joking about it for 20 years, but now all of a sudden it's actually becoming more and more real. Is there feature parity within the Prosimo product between V4 and V6? Pretty much every podcast where this, this has come up where, is this the year for IPv6? Is this the year for maybe, maybe 2023 is we'll all hope for that. Uh, <laughs> The short answer there is yes, because we are leveraging all of these cloud native uh, um, stack underneath, right? Whether it's a transit gateway or a VPC or a subnet route table, many of them are dual stack today. If an enterprise goes all in on, hey, I want to just use IPv6 for this, and then they could leverage that as well. So we'll go orchestrate in a way that it's all IPv6. The other angle I want to bring to that, uh, Ethan, is because of the abstraction to FQDNs, the IPv4, the conservation model, become super easy with Prosimo. Think of this, right? We worked with a very large retailer and um, their model was every developer that wanted to spin up a VPC, they can go use the same IP range. In fact, they had like four or 5,000 VPCs in VNets. All of them had 10.100 slash 16. We were surprised like, hey, this is overlapping by design because they wanted to conserve because they don't want a model where all these VPCs need to be interconnected in layer three mesh. They went to a kind of proxy model where a stack like Prosimo sits in the middle and they had another type of model before where even though they're all overlapping because they conserved a ton of IP addresses with this model and they will simply elevate this to FQDN and say that, hey, this service running in this VPC, who should it go talk to? And uh, there is a layer in the middle. We call them Prosimo service core if it's Prosimo and it just exposes the FQDN on the other side where the source VPC that's trying to talk to the target will never need to know, oh, that's also running 10.1. It's not like, oh, both are 10.1. I need some double-sided NAT logic in the middle. It's going to go crazy. Who's going to manage all that? or I have to do some six and four tunneling and whatnot. You could do all that as well with Prosima. We're not saying no to that. If you have some exception use cases, you still want to use that. 
but more importantly we got another elegant solution where you can just use this prosimo service core on board this the side as fqdn and expose it through prosimo the other side thinks it's talking to the target but it's actually indeed talking to the prosimo stack in the middle and we kind of proxy it uh, the to the other side that way uh, um, the, the transaction still go through you get all the connectivity and security without having to worry about oh am i going to run out of ipv4 address or i have to do some tunneling or natting here as well uh, yeah actually i want to qualify that you said proxy proxy or nat So the full L7 if it's a web app it's fully proxied but if it's just L3 and we could either do nadding or we can do tunneling in the middle. Okay. Last question and this might be simple or very complicated depending on how you've had things <laughs> configured. Can you explain what the licensing model looks like for Prosimo? Oh, I got a three-page document I want to read through. By the way, how much GB of traffic? <laughs> Absolutely no. That's one thing enterprises hate. Kind of even reading through uh, the cloud provider bill of hey, this is the number of transaction. It's it's all ten cents per transaction. Oh, here is the number of API calls you made. Here is the number of VPC flow logs. Here is your NAT transaction. No, when you go through Prosimo stack, you are building this transit in the middle. We call them highways. Let's build this super secure highways. And what are you kind of transport on top of the highway so we we actually have three different uh, um, entities right the first one is the number of vpcs especially for hardcore layer 3 audience for them it's all vpcs and subnets how many are you attaching there is a license for that or if it's a service layer that we talked about apps are all fqdns right it doesn't matter where you are running those each fqdn has its own license model lastly if you want to kind of expose these cloud applications to your own employees or users or your partners b2b partners or um, your affiliates and what not each of them comes with a user license so as long as based on the use case the three use cases each one comes with a type of license and again um, you could actually do a true up and there are multiple models we will provide flexibility for that beyond that absolutely there is zero complexity on you don't really care how much traffic is pumping through that how many transactions how many tunnels are you building we don't really care for that uh, so essentially it's one per use case and we are pretty much done with licensing Gotcha. Your cloud provider might care how much traffic you're pumping through, but Prosimo's not worried about that. And that third use case we didn't even get to, so maybe that's a future episode. Uh, if folks, you piqued their interest, they want to know more, they want to take this for a test drive. Where would you point them? Where's the best place to go? Actually, straight to our website, Prosimo.io. There's a button at the top right of almost every page. Free trial. You want to start looking at this right away. You can sign up for a 15-day free trial and just look at how simple that onboarding and and rationalization of everything that's there uh, really looks. Without even making a change, you will see value straight away. Hmm. And also follow our YouTube channel. Every two weeks, we drop an office hours session. In fact, our next one is self-service networking for developers. Something we talked a little bit about here and how that works. So very excited about doing that one uh, next week. I think it is. All right, and you guys social? You got if you're active on YouTube, I suppose uh, you can be hit up on Twitter and LinkedIn and so on too. Yes, absolutely. We post a lot on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Just look up Prosimo.io. Excellent. Well, thanks to both you gentlemen for sharing your time with us today and for sponsoring today's Day 2 Cloud episode. I mean, I think our audience knows this. This is how Ned and I feed our families with uh, vendors that come on board and sponsor and share deeply technical information that is meant to be educational uh, as well as motivational. Hey, if you go and talk to Prosimo about their product, let them know that you heard about them on the Day 2 Cloud podcast. And virtual high fives to you for tuning in all the way to the end. You're pretty awesome. If you have suggestions for future shows, and we are getting those requests, uh, some 
people are submitting and giving us show ideas. You can do that via at Day2CloudShow on Twitter, or you can fill out the request form on Day2Cloud.io. Ned and I will hear your requests and see who we can find to come and talk about in a future episode. Now, maybe you're a vendor out there and you've got a cool cloud product that you want to share with our audience of IT professionals. Yeah, you can do that. Become a Day2Cloud sponsor. You're going to reach several thousand listeners, all of whom have problems to solve. And maybe your product fixes their problem. We'll never know unless you tell them about your amazing solution. Find out more at packetpushers.net slash sponsorship. And until then, just remember, cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans.